Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. Today, we're going to welcome my very good friend and a woman in leadership, Emily Tisdale. Emily leads the Vision for Two Companies, Recourse Resource Consulting, which she started in 2010, and also Leap for Women, which she founded in 2015. Recourse Resource works with organizations to assess and optimize everyday human experiences in order to develop strong leaders and a strong company culture. Leap for Women supports women business owners at all stages of the entrepreneurial journey through online education, inspiration, and collaboration. In all areas of her work, Emily is passionate about combining people and processes to achieve the best possible results. She's also a sought-after speaker, and I am going to personally say that I love her Leap newsletter. I highly recommend it as a woman working in business that you subscribe, and as many of you have heard on other podcasts, I only read five newsletters, five, and she's one of those five. So I'm excited to welcome Emily to the F Word. Hi, Cheryl. Gosh, what an opening. Thank you, and thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here. So I always like to tell people how I'm connected to a guest. Uh, you and I, I have to give a quick shout out to um, Amy Stark and Aaron Albert of Social Media Dames in Indianapolis because we met at the Dames Unconference. I don't know, has it been like, was it been four or five years now, I guess? It was. It was the inaugural event that we met at. That's right. That's right. We were both like first time. I think you spoke on muffin marketing. Uh, that way, I did LinkedIn that first year. Oh, the first year I did LinkedIn. Okay. Another year, but you and I were both like, of course you accept people on LinkedIn. <laughs> we were friends forever after that. I know, right? And I just, I, re- I still remember the muffin top marketing thing that you, look at you laughing because it was such a fantastic uh, presentation and everything. And that's just a good, it's a fun event to go to. But I, I often have told people that some of my best friends have come from that unconference. Oh gosh, I agree. And people that, you know, it's funny, like, I, I don't think you and I would have ever run into each other in any other like um, networking event or anything like that. Cause we're in two very different sectors that don't necessarily intersect a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so cool. I love it. I know. I know. I always tell people I'm really, really fortunate. So I have to tell people a quick story about you. Um, Emily <laughs> always knew that I wanted to start a business and that I wanted to help other women. And so in essence, I guess I just wanted to be an Emily Tisdale and I grew up kind of thing. Oh my you know, but I'm going to tell you something. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Nope. 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 And I started to think it wasn't for me, to be honest. You know, she, one of the things I thought was funny was you warned me about how hard it would be. Um, I remember you sitting there telling me it's going to be hard. You're going to, you know, you're going to feel challenged. You also told me that I would want to give up. I remember that you're like, you're going to get times where you're just going to want to give up. You're throwing right. the towel, enough of this. Uh, you also told me that, um, you know, I would think I was crazy for wanting to do this. You're going to feel like you're nuts some days. And uh, so I have to tell you, so when the times got hard and they're still hard, anybody right. who listens to success, do people have any kind of successful business practice? I'm telling you every day they get up and it's still hard. 
every day. Every day, right? And so when you, I had, I think it was Kristen um, Andre who was on a previous podcast and she said, don't you just love when people get up and they post all of this this BS on Facebook about how great everything is. She says, I see that as a business owner and I think lies, they're all lies. You know? right. I barely got my kid out the door this morning to start working. You know? Oh my gosh, right? I know. I sometimes look at, at Daryl's son and we put him on the bus and I'm like, are you covered? You're clothed? Good. You're good. Bye. Get out. You know, <laughs> not worried about matching stuff anymore. Who cares? Um, you also, you know, I talked about the how I wanted to stop and I want to say there were days that I'm weak. There's still days that I'm weak that I think, oh, this would be so much easier. Like I see people get in their cars in the morning when I'm over here typing and connecting to people and do, and I watch them get in their cars at their house and they go to their job and they come back and then they're out like queuing and mowing the lawn and doing things. And I'm thinking, I've still got to do all that, you know, so it's hard, right? Right. Absolutely. And I still feel crazy. And I don't think that's actually going to change anytime soon. If you ask my family, they're going to be like, my mom's always been kind of nuts. But well-mannered women rarely make things happen. So I try to let the crazy out. Yeah. I think that you have to be a little crazy to keep riding this rodeo. I mean, you really do. I don't, I think there are some people that are truly meant to work for organizations and Mm -hmm. make them successful. And I think there are some people that have just always been meant to march to the beat of their own drummer. You just don't know. It looks like entrepreneurship until you're a little bit older and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can actually do this for myself and you know, by myself. Yeah. And, and, and I have to tell you, it's one of those things where I think I knew when I was younger, cause I was like the lemonade stand girl. Nice. I was the one trying to always make a buck. I, um, I think I was 13. True story. And I, all I wanted was a swatch watch. It's all I wanted was a swatch watch. I, uh, my dad wouldn't get one. He was like, you want one? You go, you know, go get one yourself. So this totally ages me, right? So I started babysitting and mowing lawns and I was doing all this stuff. I'm 13 years old and I'm out there like trying to drum up a buck, you know, but I did. I went to famous bar in St. Louis and I bought that swatch watch and I didn't buy one. I bought two. Cause remember how cool it was to have two of them? That's right. That's absolutely right. I still have those. Yeah. That's almost kind of like that first dollar that you earn. You have to frame it. It's your swatch watch. It's my swatch watch. I know. Right. It's so crazy. But I have to also tell you, I remember um, when we became friends and I came to your office and your employees and got to spend time with you guys. And one, as your friend, I'm so proud of you. Um, but I also, you know, it's easy for me to say, because I know you personally, that you are an amazing, you know, mom, your little daughter, Vera needs to stop growing up because I want Vera to stay little, little bitty Vera. And now she's like grown up and got sass and attitude Vera. But, um, and I loved your Christmas card with your son and his glasses (laughs) that year. (laughs) It's like, like he's totally growing up, but I mean, those things, you know, harmonizing your life with your motherhood and being uh, a significant other to someone. I know you take those jobs seriously, but you really are an incredible business owner. I would love for you to talk about how Recourse uh, Resource came to be and why healthcare. Why did you go into that sector of all the places that you could be talking about culture and people and fit and stuff? Oh, sure. Well, so uh, Recourse Resource is eight years old, which is kind of crazy to me. You know, it's like when I think about a 10-year-old boy, so it's like, oh, this is its own little baby, lone child. But 
um, it was kind of along the lines of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, I worked for some really wonderful healthcare organizations and just couldn't quite find the right fit in a position. And then, you know, before you start really entertaining business ownership, you think, okay, I just need to find the right role in the right company and it might work out. You know, you, there's always something missing though. So I, I tried marketing hats, which fit really nicely, like my degree, my undergrads in marketing. And it's a, a something that comes natural to me that I enjoy very much, but I didn't really have any control when I was in marketing roles, as far as like the outcome of things, you know, especially in healthcare, when you can do all this marketing, but if you have terrible quality of care, it's not going to do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's probably pretty true for industries across the board now, but in healthcare for a long time, it's always been that. So I said, okay, cool. I'll try on my ops hat. So I took roles in operations, director of operations, and things like that to see if I can start impacting the way that healthcare delivery was served. So all the good marketing stuff that we're doing could be backed up by good care and whatnot and still couldn't quite find the right fit. And I realized then that, um, you know, healthcare functions really good in silos. And if it's not broken, you know, why fix it? That's usually the case. And there's all these other challenges that the industry itself has to go through. So why are we going to take on voluntarily breaking down silos? Um, I love the silos, you know, HR, um, marketing, operations. Those are the three silos that I just kept swimming in and maybe this position, maybe this company. And I realized the only way I was able, gonna, I was able to make the impact and have the conversations that I wanted to have to impart the changes that I knew need to happen was to be an outsider, which kind of sucked, honestly. Like I love teams. I love belonging to organizations and I love company picnics. Like I could be like the party planning committee in a company. I like <laughs> Right. So it was a little bit disheartening to learn about myself that, okay, I guess if I want to do this the way that I want to do it, the only way I'm going to be able to do it is if I work for myself. And so here we are eight years later where, um, you know, our focus really is on looking at those human experiences, making them better. So then that way we can put people first and do all the delivery, whether it's healthcare or otherwise in the space that, you know, you want to be in as leaders of the organization. So it, it, it did start out very glamorous. It started out very stressful. Um, but it, there's kind of no looking back now. Um, even having a, a brief experience back in the corporate world, um, very recently just kind of reaffirmed the fact that I just don't think organizations are ready to be um, terribly disrupted unless you're an outsider. Exactly. And you work with a lot of women then, I assume. We do. In yeah. these roles because of healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. And so you added LEAP for women um, to your uh, mix here because, you know, you weren't busy enough yeah. in trying to, I know we do this, right? <laughs> I think we do. But you, you did. And I remember when it was fresh and new in 2015. Mm -hmm. and I love your, and I, again, love your newsletter. I love the way you write. Um, even though some of the stuff that you're, I think one of the things I want people on the call to realize is that your newsletter is not specific to healthcare. Your yeah. newsletter is about for leap is very specific to business strategy, being a woman in leadership. Um, all of the things that we, that encompass that, being you know, a woman trying to stay afloat. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, so how did leap come to be? How did, how, what is that all about now? So when I was five years old into owning and running Recourse Resource, I started, uh, you know, it starts getting easier, right? Even though it's still hard, you start, you know, understanding, oh, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I say about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And 
your operations are good to go. And I started getting a little antsy, like, what else do I do now? What do I do to continue to grow and serve people? And it wasn't so much in the R2 space. I thought for a hot minute that maybe it was adding service lines or doing something different with R2. And that wasn't it. It was really looking at ways to help people get to five years. And, um, you know, and helping people understand that everything before that is absolute chaos and it's normal. I, I hate that people don't talk about how crazy things are. Um, side note that um, probably, and I think you may know this, Cheryl, and I don't mind sharing um, in our forum here. I had postpartum depression after my second child and it was very, very difficult, but no one talks about it. Yeah. And so it was my mission that every time someone would want to have a conversation about it, that I was completely transparent about how difficult that was in the process that I went through. Because I know if I would have found people that I thought were, um, you know, some people that I valued that would speak honestly about that, I would have felt a lot better. I wouldn't have been so ashamed. Right. right. So it's like, surely other people felt the same way in the first five years of owning and running a business as I did. So how do we destigmatize that so we can encourage more women to start their business, knowing that it's going to suck and it's going to be, there are going to be days you're going to want to give up. There are going to be days you're going to compare yourself and think, why don't I look like that? You know, so that's all the stuff that we want to talk about with Leap. We want to make sure that we are being transparent and having conversations about um, being a woman in business, you know, whether you're a business owner or aspiring business owner. So we have more people starting businesses and not being scared because they're not like perfectly scale one to 10, 10 ready. Yeah. And they're talking a lot more about the imposter syndrome of things that people yeah. are seeing out there. I tell you as a social media strategist, anybody listening to this, and I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it, you see a disproportionate amount of good shit that happens in people's lives on Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, whatever. You really aren't seeing a lot of the other stuff that goes along with it. So nobody gets to see the, the disgruntled argument between, uh, you know, a spouse or my boyfriend or whoever after yeah. dinner. You know, no, I'm not going to get on and be like, ah, I just got my butt chewed out about that. So what yeah. happens is, is you keep looking. And what ha I can tell you as somebody that, um, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to be a brand new business owner or putting things together and you start doubting yourself because nobody wants to talk about those things. Right. Right. It is so, nature, I think, to like want to put a highlight reel on social media. You know, yeah. um, I'll tell you right now, I, I talk to a lot of leaders about kind of how do you cope with difficult jobs and difficult people and jobs. And I, am, so I'm a, I'm a journaler, if that's even a word. Mm -hmm. I like to journal, but only when I'm having hard times. Okay. So if I'm having a hard time and I just can't stop thinking about something because I will like ruminate on it for years. Mm -hmm. So I need to write it down. I need to get it out. But you know what I never do? I never pick up that journal and read it again. I, there's not any part of me that wants to relive the moments that were difficult. I, it, it's therapeutic because I dump it on the paper and yeah. it lives there and it serves its, its purpose. So I think like the social media highlight reel, you know, is it's good inspiration, but I think hopefully I think our, uh, our world is a little bit more savvy now to know that what we see is literally what someone has put out there. Um, and when we did a lot of marketing work for clients, um, we always told people, People understand now that your website is BS. Like you put on your website what you want to put out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it is helpful and it is a tool for people to get familiarized with you. 
but it is not the only place you need to get, you know, basically credit for being a good provider, for being a good business. That's where indeed reviews come in from employees and, you know, things like that. So it's like social media is what we put out there. Like, don't ever forget that's all planned. <laughs> it really is. And so I have to often remind clients that I work with or advisors and financial service professionals who come to me. I'm like, don't, you're going to put a bunch of corporate speak up there and BS, no one's going to even read, you know? Right. So right. I'm really much more interested in what's up in your head, your thought leadership, and how do we get that out? Yeah. And share that in a way that people will want to engage and, and do something about it. Yeah. I think that you tell others about running businesses in some of the most real ways that I've ever heard somebody discuss it. Okay. And I'm serious because it's, I, I've told you, I mean, I, I will go back and recall conversations that we've had and you're, I mean, I've had the luxury of knowing that you're a gifted speaker. I've always listened um, and enjoyed hearing what you share. What are some of the ways that you see you know, women holding themselves back in leadership or in business in life. Because I know one of mine that you quickly identified when we were talking was my sheer terror of just going, just leaping into what was the unknown. And I'm going to be honest and also say to everybody listening, I still hold on to a rope some many of the days because there's nothing, you know, I want to be safe. I still want to have that feel. So I haven't fully made the leap, right? And I'm I'm almost there and I'm almost ready. And I know that they say the hardest part of letting go of, uh, you know, when you jump out of the plane is the first jump. So once after that, you know, the rest of it is, you know, is is what it is. But I think that you talk about that. So what are some of the ways that, you know, I don't think that the way I feel is uncommon anymore. And you, and you mm. broke the barrier down on that. Like, oh, it's just me. I'm the big, you know, weenie in this. Right. No, I wasn't. Oh, can I tell you? I th And this is something I still have to remind myself every day is to not take it personally. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it comes, it's not even just in personal relationships. Like if someone's not talking to you as much or whatever, you know, I think that's easy to feel that stress and say, okay, don't take it personally. But everything is you're doing ideation and trying to understand what it is that you want to do in the world and offer the world that just because maybe it's not getting the response that you want at that moment and maybe you got a response but it's not as excited as you want it to be you know yeah. that don't take it personally like you're still in your test phase oh. just keep it cool you know what i mean and just yeah. have some perspective on the fact that it could not be the right audience it could not be anything about you because maybe they're having a stressful day. You know, so I think um, not taking it personally is one of the things that I would love for humans all over the world to just work on. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, you see all this stuff on Facebook right now. It's a very a politically heated environment to say the least. You know, it's not personal. It's all good. You know what I mean? Like we can disagree on things and it's okay and we can move on. I think, um, women, we are so wired to be personal and to be highly engaged and deeply yeah. engaged that sometimes it takes perspective um, down to a minimum, I think. And I think balancing a healthy sense of perspective and not taking it personally, but still being you and being kind mm -hmm. and generous and into whatever you're into um, is really important. Does that make sense? It does. And I will tell you that one of the things that I had to quickly divorce myself of Mm -hmm. was the idea that there's always going to be someone who poo-poos your idea. Yep. Always. Always. And you gotta love them though. Like you have to find the ones that poo-poo your idea and whether you're going to use it as motivation to piss them off because they're going to be wrong 
Okay. Yeah. You say, okay, poke holes in my idea. So you give me things to think about that I hadn't thought about before. So I love finding those people who will shoot at like holes into whatever, you know, crazy idea I have. Um, because I, I mean, I honestly think it just makes me a little bit smarter and better prepared as a business owner. Oh, I would agree that too, because you're, so for example, like when people talk about the females in finance community, you know, and they're like, I'm still new, I'm seven, eight months into it and all by myself put 1700 people together. Right. I don't have all the answers, but I have a few, you, sure you do. know, and so when someone says to me, oh, well, your offering isn't well-defined, well, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I have no problem, you know, now what I'm not going to do is sit there and engage someone who tells me I'm dumb, um, yes. that my yeah. e- ideas, I, I sit there and I listen to that and immediately just, I am, because I used to, I would be lying to everybody in this call if I said I didn't get personally like I, I would get upset and I, I literally would go how could somebody say and it, it was people like you who have to step up and say it's not you right this yep. isn't about you this is about them don't make this about you yeah and you got to have the Emily Tisdales in your pocket you know right there to, to step up and say keep going keep yeah. going yeah because if I hadn't had that I mean, I wouldn't have, I, I definitely wouldn't have continued to go, you know, I, and I still have a hard time. It's funny. I, I remember, I, I correlate this to hold Weight Watchers meetings and stuff. I remember one of the, this sounds crazy, but listen to how real this is. One of the women in the group said something about, well, I only lost eight pounds. And I'll never forget the, the this is years ago. I should still be going to Weight Watchers, you know, but that's a whole nother entrepreneurial subject. Apparently when you become an entrepreneur, you eat your feelings or you don't <laughs> get up and move your body enough. I'm going to say that honestly, but I will tell you, I remember that, that the leader of that meeting said, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't get to say the word only when it comes to nice. Pounds. I because love that. Every pound counts. Mm-hmm. So it, and it also changes the statement from which we always tend to come at it from a, a women's perspective is apologetic almost. Sure, oh, right, I only right. did this, or I haven't done this 100% yet. Celebrating your success. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so as an entrepreneur, you absolutely have to go right on. I got that. Or you got to, you know, whatever it is, ding a bell in your office or whatever you got to do. Right, right. Right? I have had to learn. I mean, I've always been a fairly confident person just because of how I was raised, but entrepreneurship confidence is a totally different story. I think you can be confident in all other areas of life, but then the minute you put yourself out there and whatnot, you know, I think, you know, that's something I still have to work on every day to just say, no, I can't, you know, like I, what would I tell my girlfriends, you know, like you, like Mm -hmm. if you were coming to me with the same feeling, you know, I'd be like, no, mm -mm." like you put that away. Um, I remember my really good friend, uh, and I think I've told you about her. She was the first one to call me an expert, and it was the most hilarious thing ever, right? Um, I was developing the idea. I was probably like six months into the business, and I'm like, can I come to your office uh, and let me run this by you just to make sure it makes sense to someone other than me outside of my head? And so I remember we sat crisscross applesauce on this old couch in her office. Her company at that point was 10 years old. And she, so I told her what I did. She's like, explain it to me in a third grade way. Like, I'm a third grader. Tell me what you do. And so I said, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, oh, okay, okay. I think I get it. So you're an expert in X, Y, and Z. And I was, I remember like recoiling back, you know, sitting crisscross applesauce. And I was like, oh, what? No, what did you, were you listening to me? 
And she was like, yes, you're an expert in this. I'm like, well, yeah, no, mm -mm, you're making me uncomfortable. I did not say I was an expert. She's, and she said, I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't start calling yourself an expert first, no one else will. So get good with it. You're an expert in this. And I was like, no, <laughs> I am not good. It felt dirty. It did. It was like lies, you know, like that's not it. But you need those people to like call you out and, and check you out. And sometimes when you don't have them, you have to be it for yourself to just say, would you ever tell a girlfriend who's starting this business um, feeling this way? You know, would you ever tell them that? No, you'd say, get over it, get yeah. back on the horse and let's keep going. Yeah. It was funny. I've spoken in the last like six, seven years, almost what, two, I think it's more now, 200 events. Right. Wow. And I it's and, and so funny. I mean, I, wow is the number. Like when I look back and I start looking at, yeah, wow is all the planes I was on during that time. I, I tell people all the time. But, you know, it, it really wasn't until this past year, this past year, um, somebody asked me to fill in uh, for a seat because somebody was ill and they needed a speaker. And I'm like, I can fill in. I can do that. No problem. So I'm no notes. What do you guys, what's the topic? I have to kind of put it together. So I have to formulate an idea in my mind. And I got up there and I sat on the panel and I did it and it was fine. You know, I got to meet new people. It was great. And then I got to go back to being an attendee of the event. It wasn't until I was sitting in that venue for whatever reason and why that one, I don't know, that when the next speaker got up and said, well, Cheryl Brown said in the first thing or later in the afternoon, Cheryl Brown mentioned in the thing, this is, a, I remember hearing that and sitting there and it was a, like an out of body experience for me in that moment that I thought, oh, I've arrived. Like, oh, I, love it. Yeah. I, I, it was a moment and it really, um, uh, Jeff Goins wrote a beautiful book called The Art of Work and he talks about being the master and um, being the apprentice and all, right? And there is a certain point when that hit, when that person was, when I realized, when I stepped outside of myself and said, you are here. You have you you have put your ten thousand plus hours or whatever the number is in, mm -hmm. and that has to come for every single one of us as women. That that moment has to happen. That I know what I'm talking about. I'm right. confident in what I'm saying to you, and I stand behind it. Mm -hmm. And now my job is to give that to somebody else. Yeah. Yep. I that's like what it. comes with it, and that's what for females in finance. It was my accidental activism that it is my job now to keep helping other women and pulling them along and saying, come with me. Yes. This is for you. Come with me. What can right. I do to put you in front of somebody else? Cause that's my responsibility now. Mm -hmm. You know, know. That, and that feels very much how you described it is very much kind of the intention behind leave. It's like after you get to the point where it makes sense and all falls together. I mean, I personally think we have a duty to help others get there in particular women. You know what I mean? I think yeah. um, men start businesses by the droves. I think their confidence um, and bravado is built for entrepreneurship and business ownership. And I think there's a lot of really awesome things we can learn from how they build their business. Yeah, agree. Um, but, you know, I personally, uh, you know, I try my best to make sure that I support women-owned businesses, um, that I give referrals to women-owned businesses, and then to keep the conversations that we're having, you know, we have to do more to encourage other women. Like I'm a girl's girl. Um, I don't mm -hmm. like catty women. I, I mean, I think everyone says that, right? Cause no one wants to say I love catty women or I am one. <laughs> um, but I think it goes a lot in the types of conversations that you have with the people that are in your life yeah. um, to make sure that you're consistently trying to improve the world and especially the women in the world. 
And that goes back to keeping your circle of people because I was a catty woman. I'm the first one who's going to admit that. Oh, I was. I 100% was, look at her. I mean, I was, I was all about that. And when I changed my circle of people, I changed yeah. myself. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, it's interesting because I remember going back and I'm still very much an apprentice of the entrepreneurial part of this. So I look at somebody like you who is at that mastery level of it and you're pulling people through and I'm the apprentice and learning from you, right? Seriously, that I want to prove people like you, I, I want to, to prove that the work that you, and the time that you put into me and I wanted to validate and appreciate the time that you did that because you do do that. And I think that is something with women too, though, that we have a tendency to not want to let our, our girlfriend mentors down either. Sure. Yeah. And I right? love that when you find the right types of people, I think a lot of people kind of wear the shoe as if that's what they intend to do. And, you know, for whatever reason, they're incapable of doing so. Yeah. And I go back to the love language thing too. You've really got to know who you are and what is your currency. Right. And mine, you know, I, I was so funny because I think right off the bat, you know, when I got divorced and I went into another relationship, I really wanted to know, I didn't really know what made me tick. I didn't know what made me happy or what. So I started going through some things and the, the truest of the truths that ever came to me was after doing that test and finding out that words of affirmation. Okay. Acts of service, mm -hmm. huge on my list. Huge, nice. huge, huge, right? Don't tell me about how you're going to take the trash out. Just do it. I, mean, I don't, yes. when I see it done, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, yeah. first one. But I like my words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I like receiving words of affirmation. So to that point, when I go back to us sitting, where did we have lunch that day? Was it Chipotle? Qdoba. That's it. Yeah. See, yes, we, we were <laughs> sitting there. I remembered I didn't want to let you down. I There's did not want to let you down as my friend and I didn't want to let you down as another business owner. And I thought, I'm going to do this. And so I think that that's really um, speaks volumes to the kind of person who you are. It also meant that I found somebody that I, I clicked well in, in understanding what they were about and it jived well with me. And I think everybody has to find what gels. Yeah. And if it's not feeling right, then get yourself a new circle, get yourself what works. Well, and, you know, to that point, I think it's important to say that in that circle, if you decided that, you know what, I really, you know, if from that conversation, you, you went hard and charged at entrepreneurship, and then halfway through, you changed your mind for whatever reason, that circle has to be able to say, okay, cool, that's good for you right now. I'm not going to let you forget about your dream. And I'm here for you when you're ready. But, you know, I think it's part of being able to embrace your friendships mm -hmm. for where they need, where that person needs to be. You know, you can't shame someone for not going through on dreams or ideas or dates or plans because things change, you know, so your true cheerleaders, the ones in your circle are the ones that are saying, okay, cool. When you're ready to pick up this other conversation, let me know what else can I do now? How else yeah. can I be supportive? Yeah. So I think there's definitely more fair weather friends out there that, you know, all of a sudden you don't look like what that meeting had proposed, you know, like, oh, I don't want to do entrepreneurship anymore. I don't want to do it this way. And then all of a sudden you're not really connected anymore. Exactly. So, yeah. So, and I think that that was true. And, it, and at that time, just so people for context, you know, I had a date picked July 7th. That was my date. Okay. Yeah, that was on our call too. I remember that. July 7th was my date. Never expected that on um, June 1st of that year that my ex-husband was going to leave me. 
I say that, I mean, that's a very difficult yeah. sentence to say. Right. July 7th had to change. Yeah. I, had, I had something come up. But because of that, I learned a lot of new things that came through that. And now I've built all of this all by myself. Yep. And I'm even, it's even like something else from more of a, like, ha I feel like I yep. really proved some people. You wrong. are. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like I wanted, I remember that phone call and I wanted you to commit to a date just to put some feet to it and start visualizing like what you need to do next. But the date was always your date, you know? Yeah. And and, and you were the first person to understand when the date had to change because I called and we talked. I know. Yeah. You do what and you do. You, you got to do what you do. And so I think to everybody on this, you know, honestly, it, you might have a million things of what you want to accomplish or you, you want to do, whether it's your personal, professional life. If you don't have the date on the calendar, the chances are very low, Yeah. very low that you're going to be successful. And, and I, had, I mean, I had left a job. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I was committed. I was yeah. truly committed. Yeah. I just didn't know my significant other wasn't committed. <laughs> I can say that. I can now say that laughing and not bitter. Isn't that great? That's called That's therapy. Awesome. But no, but seriously, it was because of that. So I really wanted to press upon every person on this call, spend a little time on the idea of what mentorship really looks like, really feels like, really has times where there's a hiccup in the plan. Yeah. And if you can't flow and move with that, then you're with the wrong person who's mentoring you in the wrong circle. And I, again, go back to change your circle. Yeah, absolutely. Change your circle. I know, um, I also wanted to be sure we talked about your book because I, yeah, well, a couple books now, but you, the real, I remember when I first met you, you were talking about that book. Uh -huh. And we only, and just FYI, for, uh, so people understand, the social media dames, you get five minutes. Oh, I know. Oh That's it. God. I love it. You get five minutes. You have to tell the most important, amazing marketing business, whatever story, and you got five minutes. And three slides, no words on the slides. And three slides, That's and no I words have. on the slides. That's right. So, yeah, do that, <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah, so this is one of the, I mean, and I love that Amy and, and Aaron set it up that way because it really challenges you to be able to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't apparently go to a social media dames conference now or unconference now unless I'm dressed up as a character. Oh my gosh. I do remember some of the years that we did that. Story. Yeah, I did. Um, one year I was Kevin Costner in um, Field of Dreams. <laughs> Yep, I remember that one. I had that one. My, um, I was oh, I was the construction worker. I yep, I remember the construction. I had the, <laughs> and I I came with a legit tool belt and I looked like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. That's what I did. Remember, that's who I was. And uh, I actually had to borrow that from. So the, a big shout out to Wigan Construction in Fort Wayne because Larry Wigan personally, <laughs> who built like the tin caps and the Ash Brokerage Building and all that, personally gave me his own tool belt. Oh, for that. that's awesome! And I had to return it to him. So shout out, Larry. Legit. So now I know. Why. I did now. Oh, it was because it, it was legit. It's so funny. But <laughs> you know, your book. Um, I want you to tell people what you did. Because I think people think writing a book can be, and I'm in the middle of writing one, so it, mine is tough because I'm having to pull outside expertise and into the book, and that's a lot different than using my oh, own, I'm going to tell you that right now. But yeah. uh, it really was amazing advice and encouraged a good friend of mine who ultimately wrote a book much like the way you did. So tell your story about that. 
Um, so we are religious blog posters on um, the R2 website, and we've done this for, you know, seven years now of the eight years that we've been in business. And um, every two weeks, and, uh, you know, there's so much advice about frequency and such. For us, we do it every two weeks. We put out a new piece of content out there, and we share it with the world. And it was interesting how much feedback we were getting on these posts, people that would write back, uh, you know, even if it was just like a singular email to me privately about the impact that the post had or what they did with it, that um, it got to the point where we said, this is really good stuff. I mean, like we knew it was good stuff, but other people think it's good stuff that we should do something with. So one of the years we took all of our blog posts. So there's about, I think 25 or 26, because if we post on a biweekly schedule, we, um, we formatted all the blog posts to fit into a, like, I think it's like 110 page book. I don't even think I have one over here with me right now. But um, what we added to each one was three to five discussion questions with the premise that healthcare teams, even the frontline staff, you know, no one's going to read like a hundred page book. Uh, and, and also you have to look at educational levels that you may be dealing with too. So we thought someone can read like a 600 word article before a staff meeting, and then as a group discuss them using the three to five suggested workbook questions. So we made what's, what we call a blog book. Mm -hmm. And so we took all of the articles that we had written that was on our um, like website-based blog and bundled it in a printed book that we still continue to sell to this day. Um, and it's been, it's been one of the things that I didn't realize was so different we just thought this people like this people want this and every time um we go somewhere we end up selling books and it's on the website and and whatnot so yeah, yeah. That's, that was our first one fantastic idea and I, I think i told you whenever he he published his book and he did he wrote this really nice thing in the beginning like i would have done this without cheryl brown's call and i thought he wouldn't have done this without emily tisdale to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, i love so, it so that's uh yeah, a shout out to Emily vicariously through Cheryl, vicariously <laughs> through Mike. So um, you recently wrote an article about non-negotiables, which I love. And my friend Jennifer Baccarella told a story uh, not too long ago to a group of us about an advisor at the broker-dealer. And he had to be terminated because of something that wasn't incredibly awful, to be honest. It was, and it was something from a while back, but it went against they're non-negotiables. I want you to talk about this and why it's important to have non-negotiables, whether it's in your personal life or business or whatever, because the article is, again, it goes back to your writing, right? You guys are writers. This was a fantastic piece. Oh gosh, non-negotiables for me go way back. So my husband and I are going on 14 years of marriage. We dated for three years before we got married and it, the word originated with him <laughs> and my relationship with him, I should say. Um, and it's one of those where I think, um, in, I think in romantic relationships, it's really easy to kind of see like, okay, this is where I want this relationship to go, or this is heading this way. And I want it to go there. And I remember talking to him and saying, here are my non-negotiables. You know, we were getting very serious and, um, I just needed him to know good, bad, or indifferent. These were the things that were important to me. These are things that I have to have in my life. I will not, um, hold it against him if he cannot provide these non-negotiables, mm -hmm. but let's just call a spade a spade here and, and know that this is not going to go any further if my non-negotiables are not met. And he had never encountered that word before. And I said, you have them too. You just need to think of what they are and I need to know what they you are. Articulate them. Honest with you. If that, if that's something I can 
have in my life too. And so that has transpired into, you know, as I grew as a professional too, looking at the things that I have to have, um, whether it was me as an employee in the workplace, um, whether it is me as the CEO leading my team and the types of team members that we want, um, you know very well, Cheryl, the no a-hole rule we have with clients. Um, you know, so we have non-negotiables in there where we say, you know what, our clients pick us. Absolutely. They choose to pay us for the services that we render. But at the same time, we pick our clients just as much. And if they are an a-hole and have these non-negotiables that they keep, you know, basically breaking, then we have to part ways because it is not a productive use of our time. It's not a productive use of their money. Great. Um, but I think everyone has non-negotiables. I think, um, and I, for me personally, I think non-negotiables do not change. You just add to them. You know, so if you went through a, you know, say I have three non-negotiables in my relationships at work or my personal romantic relationships, and then you go through a bad circumstance where you're like, oh, I have a fourth one. That doesn't mean the three change. Yeah. So I think it's important. Everyone says, you know, let me take a step back. It is not a bad thing. It is not punitive, but it's just, you know, it's being forthcoming about, what expectations are. Um, yeah. My husband is very patient. That's <laughs> a good word for Justin, isn't it? It is um, a good word. It's a good word. Um, he's, a good, he, he's a good man. He is a good man. Uh, I got really lucky in that department. but He got lucky. Well, we already know that. <laughs> he says that all the time. I have to admit it more often. <laughs> um, but I think what I appreciate about him is that he embraces my honesty. I, I told him from the very beginning, um, I'm like, I will always tell you when I am mad, when I'm unhappy, you will hear everything. But that is my highest form of respect for you because I have, I, if I just hit it in my head and then expected you to change, that's not fair to you. That's not giving you the respect. Yeah. And if you don't want to do something with what I'm having a problem with, then we know the real problem. Yeah. And the same thing could be said when we're at the office when we're at work and we're dealing with clients. It's just honesty and respect for people's feelings. So, I mean, clearly that's one of my non-negotiables. We don't lie and we share our feelings. <laughs> I love that. And you know, it's funny when um, I was ready to get back to the dating world and I say ready, it was my kids. It was my kids going, could you please not go to dinner with us anymore? Oh, <laughs> my kids are all grown. They're adults. They're so honest with me. It's ridiculous. And so going into that, I remember my, my three, my, my three non-negotiables in, in the dating was, um, one, they had to be taller than me. Okay. I'm five foot one. It's, <laughs> it's not a complete stretch. Okay. Um, it was, uh, two, it was my, one, I was not going to negotiate on it. Second one was that they had to be a non-smoker because I have reactive airway disorder. So little things like very cold air, um, cigarette smoke, cigar smoke, especially if I don't know why the difference there, but it seems to be even worse with cigarette, cigar smoke. Um, so I don't want to be around anybody who's a smoker because it sets it off. And as a speaker, yeah, I need to have my voice and I need it to be uh, something that I'm not constantly, because I'm already watching it all the time because it's how I get paid. I get paid to speak, you know, yeah. so that's important to me. Uh, and then the third thing that was very much for me was they had to be open diplomatically to listening to both sides of ideas of things because I don't think anyone should be a staunch right or a staunch left or just, can we just talk about it, you know? And, uh, and those are my three. And I actually put them on my dating site, the dating profile sites. And, uh, 
so Daryl, <laughs> I, I, I tell people all the time, that's how I met him, was on a dating site. And he, he said, um, I, I, I guess he had looked at my profile a couple of times and I wasn't the person who was going through to see who looked at you. I knew uh-huh. you have. See, I'm, I'm not even like, I'm not even up on this stuff. I'm a social media person. I'm not even up on this stuff, but he ended up, I clicked on his cause I had this pictures of these people. I thought he's really good looking. And I kind of looked at it to read what he did for a living. And he was very honest in what he shared. Mm-hmm. And I didn't respond to him either. He, cause I just looked at it and he came and was like, you looked at my profile, but it, and he said to me on our very first date, he says, I read your non, I didn't realize there were non-negotiables. I just, my list of demands, I think is what he actually referred to them as, <laughs> but I didn't pose it that way. But for me, it was something that was really important because I wanted to be able to meet people wherever they were at, regardless if I approve of, or not even approve yeah. if I care for or not care for, I wanted to be able to have a discussion about it without it being like combative, right? Yeah, and absolutely. People, Exactly. But you're right. As we've moved through that, now on our personal side of it, we've also learned that there's a lot of stuff that we compromise on with each other. But the next one is for me that I am a very emotional person and I do like to share how I feel. If I'm angry, you're going to know I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and and so Norma Endersby, I used to work for her. She was my boss. And she's my great, one of my greatest friends. And when she met him, she said, Cheryl's very complicated, but you mark my words. You know, she says, once you get into it, you'll actually see that she has all of this life around her and she's wanting to live her life. And I think the, you talked about the no a-hole rule for me. I am almost 50 years old, Emily. I do not want to work with people I don't like. And I don't think anybody really should. Life is short. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah bunch of (laughs) a-holes oh there really are and so you get that feeling and they just feel icky or I don't want to call them back or and you're an entrepreneurial I'm telling you right now walk away yep there's no amount of money yep it's just not worth it um and I think in the beginning um it's totally normal to make concessions for what you know and have identified as an a-hole you just don't want to call it out yet because it's a resource and then and I think women overgeneralizing are be the first concession makers before anybody will. They'll be like, well. We're looking for the best in people. We're looking for them to benefit that. I'm still very guilty of that. And I I don't want to. I'm here saying the same thing. You know, because I think it's what makes me human um, and, you know, keeps my feelings in check, which is, you know, important to my husband because I can be like, okay, no, this is, you know, detached from this. But I think it is one of those where you spend a lot of money, time, um, and effort. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even though like in business, it's, it's easier to say I'll put up with it, but I'll tell you, um, from personal experience, working with a whole clients has cost us more money, has cost my team that I love dearly more stress than I care for them to have given that project and given that client. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I will, I will readily and effectively break up with clients that are not a good fit. Now we won't, of course, anyone leave anyone high and dry, but we will transition them beautifully into a company that will clearly serve their needs much better than we ever can. Yeah. And I think that that's fair. And I think that we need to not be afraid of hurting feelings, quote unquote, hurting someone's feelings. It's business. It's, it's such business. And for me, um, when I first, after, you know, I decided to go out and own my marketing company, Mm -hmm. client number three, I had to fire. They were abusing my time. They were not speaking to me as a professional. 
calling me at crazy, crazy yeah. hours. And I had to fire that person as a client. And I think I talked to you about this. And I was really upset. Like, I think that I've done all these things. And you're like, no, this is your business. If they don't fit in your business, it's okay. They're not for you. And so I really want everyone to realize, and I mean, it's, it's people who are more seasoned on the call already have got that point, but people who are newer, trust me when I say there is enough business that goes around for everyone Mm -hmm. and not everyone is your business. And it's okay. And you, and you will always learn something and take something good away from those situations. But the more quickly you can like separate yourself and your business away from individuals that are not a good fit, you will be so much more successful. Like whatever Agreed. revenue you think you're giving up by not working with a whole client, it will multiply once you get into exactly the lane that you want to be in. Yes. And I can say that affirmatively. Uh, Bionic Social's in business, what, three years? Three years this year. We're the third year. So we're still really new. Mm-hmm. And I only take on people now that I like. If I don't even like you as a person, <laughs> I don't want your money. I seriously don't want your money. And so I will literally, in in a very nice way, say to them, you know, I just am not the right fit for you, but I know someone who probably is. It's that transition, right? Mm -hmm. You diplomatically transition them into a space that is right for them. You feel good. You know, just because they are not a good fit for you or a good fit for me doesn't mean they don't deserve a provider that is going to do great work for them in their business. And, you know, and I think if you can look at it from that perspective to say, I need to get you somewhere that can fully serve you and make the best out of your money and your time, you know, I mean, it's a good thing. They might still be your biggest cheerleader in the end. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so it's very possible. I know that you recently posted a picture on Instagram of some books that you're reading. I think. I think you and I read alike. I read I like four too. or five books Probably at the same time. Like schedule a visit and swap books or something. And well, I know at one point we were talking about. I think I, did, I think I did. I forwarded you a book. I was like, the did it? Was it you? And I still have it, and it has tons of highlights and notes because it's so good. It so was a good book. I gifted another one because I was not giving mine up. Uh, I bought one and I gifted it to this gal who was working on her PhD in social work. And she, I mean, her spirit about what she wanted to do with folks in, that are aging gracefully. I was like, you have to read this. Oh, my friend Cheryl gave me this book and it was amazing. So I, I gifted another one. To I, send, I send out a lot of books to people because I will I read books. Though. Sometimes I read books and then what I do is I download, I'll rebuy myself the Kindle version of it so I have it. Mm-hmm. And then I mail the actual book itself. And I always tell them like, you saw I had notes in mine. Yep. I loved it. Mike, you're going to see my notes, but I don't care. I want you to have this book because I think that you will cherish some of the words that were in it. I think that on the list of the books that you had, you had Simon Sinek. I remember seeing Rachel Hollis was in that. Brene Brown. Yep, Ariana it. Huffington. Ken Blanchard. My, I think I'm calling those right. Yep. And I think I've read three of the books that you had on there. So one of them was Rachel Hollis. Girl, wash your face. Oh, damn, title alone. Can I just say, I like, I want to be her BFF. Just oh my God. <laughs> I know. She's blowing up on Instagram. I mean, blowing up on Instagram. Ariana Huffington, you're reading Thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing, amazing book. And I have to tell you, if there's any one thing that somebody takes away from this call, get your sleep. Right. Oh my gosh. One um, of the very best things, and I'm going to say this, because it's so meaningful to me. One of the very best things that Daryl has given to me as a gift is he makes me go to sleep at night. Oh, 
That's good. I get seven to nine hours of sleep every night. And you're like a new person. I wake up and I'll tell you when I first started, we, you know, like, cause he would, his working in medical care, right? He, he's got patients. Mm-hmm. He, he would be like nine o'clock. I gotta go to bed. And I'm thinking I go to midnight. He's like, that's not healthy. Go to sleep. <laughs> and, and so now, and now he doesn't really care. He's like, Oh, if you want to stay up. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. So I go to sleep and I sleep, mm-hmm. sleep seven to nine hours a night. It allows me all day to go. Go, 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 go. I mean, I can go, but I'm telling you, 9 to 9.15, if you look over at me, I'm the girl on the couch like, I was never her. I'm glad <laughs> you're reading that book. It's amazing. Yes. No, I'm excited about that one. That. I am deep into the Dare to Lead. <gasps> That's where I'm like, can I just highlight the whole book? You know? Um, you want Talk about somebody you want to be your best friend. I know. She's remarkable. I tell people she's related to me. We have the same last name. <laughs> No, I don't do that, Brene, but I really wish we were. <laughs> it's wishful thinking. I love her. Yeah, and of course, there's not, I don't think there's a bad Ken Blanchard book out there. I know. He's such a classic. Uh, he really is. a little bit different writing style than, you know, what's coming out and being um, huge hits. But it, it, there's just, it's so classic to you that I have some respect for it. So that's good stuff. That's a weird, it's a weirdly written book. Like in my opinion, it's different from the styles of books yeah. that I read. But it is, it is all about employee engagement and things, the, the stuff that geeks me out. So, so I'll tell you um, two authors that are my friends that I uh, think you should read their books. And then okay. a third one who I would love to be my friend. And if he's listening ever, please be my friend. Um, one is Joe Calloway. Okay. Loves me some Joe Calloway. Um, Joe lives in Memphis and he has an amazing book, Category of One, but he's written like five or six books. And he always sends me when he's so gracious, his books, his writing is beautiful. Um, Bob Berg. Okay. Bob Berg. I love you. Um, he's the go giver. Okay. Yeah. I see. I, yeah. Yeah. So Bob Berg is the man. And then if anything that Brendan Burchard has written. You know what? You introduced me to Brendan Burchard and he is really like inspirational. Oh my gosh. He's got bits are fantastic. Yeah. So the golden ticket, did I give you a golden ticket book? I wasn't sure. I bought like a box of them because I was giving them out like Skittles. Um, I love that. The man, uh, the manifesto, uh, the motivation manifesto. You'll literally highlight the whole book. So just don't. The whole (laughs) book is a highlight. Um, you know, and my, our, uh, Lucilla Williams, she lives in Denver. She and I are huge Brendan. So we share posts all the time. Like, it's what Brendan said today. It's what Brendan said today. So if Lucilla, <laughs> if you're listening, I got you girl. So I, uh, I'll be interested. I love, cause I know you also in your newsletter, talk about the books that you guys read. We do. We love sharing good resources. You do. And I, I do. I religiously look and see what you're, and I'm like, oh, I read that one or, Ooh, I yeah. gotta add that one. I know so. I have like this running list of books that I need to read. And obviously like on the nightstand, there's like five I'm in the middle of. And my husband's like, how are you going to get through all that? And how do you keep them straight? I'm like, I don't, but you can just pick up where you left off. And so you, know. you and I have a friend in, La- in Leslie Swathwood. Yes. Uh-huh. Love her. She gave me this uh, book, okay. Hands-Free Mama. Who is that one? It's Rich. from um, Rachel Macy Stafford is a okay. friend of hers. Yep. Oh, okay. This book is fan 
fantastic. I'm actually writing a 12 part blog series on this book because wow. every month is something to do and it's about going more hands free and hands on in your projects, your family, your people, your whatever, and how you do it. And not just like, I know it's easy to say, put your phone down. Right, right, right. Get real. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I do on my phone? I run my business from my phone. It is hard to put her down. <laughs> I'm a social media strategist and you want me to put my phone down. But she does actually talk about, um, she's not talking about all day. She's not talking. But one of the things that I have noticed that I am much better about since reading just chapter one, because mm-hmm. there's 12 chapters each month you do something uh, my new one right now is no phones at the table nice and yeah. it was really hard i'm daryl still struggles because you know patient whatever i'm like put the phone away it's one hour we sit down and eat for one hour as a family and so yeah. we have been or we turn you know turn them off and upside down so you can't see notifications because your eyes are catching it uh-huh. yeah so that's my recommendation is hands-free mama for you i like that we, uh, so my son thinks I'm like the worst mom ever. We just gave him a little increase in his screen time. So he's got to cook crying about it, but like we limit screen time. Um, Good. and so last night we were talking at dinner and he said, you know, I think I got in front of that craze. Um, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I think you kind of did. And I said, but you know why you had time to explore all these other interests that all of a sudden you've introduced to your friends and they're like, oh, that's so cool. I said, it's because we've limited your screen time. Yeah. I said, you had to be creative. You had to be curious about other things when you only get so much time playing video games. And, you know, so we have rules like that, like at dinner, no phones, but we have five questions that we ask every night when we're all, sometimes it's not possible because Justin will travel and whatnot. Um, but we ask five questions. We say best part of your day, worst part of your day, or part that could have been better. What did you learn? Um, so it's like you're round Robin. It is. And then what are you thankful for? Uh, you know, so every night when we're together for dinner, it's a discussion and about, and I'm like, I miss you guys during the day. Like we're all separated during the day. We talk about this so we can kind of reconnect and hear about each other's day. Yeah. Wow. It's been, and that kind of stuff is really important. And I did, uh, I'll even, I'll even interject one other idea. And that is, I have a friend, Stefan Havlani, and he works at Sprout Social and he was talking about his disdain for the fact that he loves his um, artificial intelligence, his Alexas and series and all of the right. Why must we bark orders at it instead of saying, please, a thank you. So for example, you know, Alexa, please find me this. Yeah. Because our children who are digital natives Mm -hmm. are not learning to be polite. Right. Yep. And, And what happens is, is they go from this digital space. And I can say this as a strategist of where they have, you know, immediate gratification and at their command, and then they go into public and you're telling them their little young minds to switch that. Yeah. They don't understand the difference. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for us to be able to have add-ons to those that say, you know, Alexa, can you please find me? Or her say. Alexa with manners now. What? She just listened to me. I know. I have to be quiet too because mine's up there going ding. can't say her name. Um, but there's an add-on that you can activate that the kid or yeah, the I didn't know that. one that uses it can, has to use manners. Ooh, I'll let Daryl know about that because that yeah. is something we're like trying to be really, and Mind you can you actually know. say it like naturally say it and she'll, uh-huh. she'll ask you at the end, are you good? Are you? And if you say thank you, she'll say, you're welcome. You uh-huh. know? Right, right. So cute. But um, so with that, I love for us to be able to wrap up interviews with fun questions. You don't know what they are. I have to answer them too. Okay. So we're in the same boat together. 
<laughs> and it gets helps people get to know you better. I mean, you're already such a personable person. That's not going to be too hard. Do you have, so what was your favorite book growing up? My favorite book. Oh man. I'll tell you the little house on the prairie. Series. I read those. Yeah, they were. So, um, English is my second language. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I knew how to speak a lot of English just cause I went to an international school when I was in Manila growing up there. So we were taught, um, English and Tagalog. It was just how it was. I was going to ask you what dialect did you speak in Tagalog? Yeah. So when we came up here, there was still a lot like just the slang and like the native like tongue of English, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I I can't even give you an example because I don't know what it is anymore. But there are times that I'm like, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. So my dad's boss who had supported him for all of these years going back and forth to the Philippines as he established our citizenship, um, got me the whole like box set of Little House um, on the Prairie. And it was one of the things that helped me really understand like the English language, you know, to the point where like, I think um, in third grade, I was reading at a ninth grade reading level because yeah. th- th- my dad's boss would keep giving me these like classic books. Oh, wow. That's read. really powerful. I know. So yeah, totally Little House on the Prairie. I read those. I also had a, a pretty, uh, uh, I had a pretty good uh, setup of Nancy Drew mysteries. Ooh. I liked my Nancy Drew books. I remember when she became like more hip and like, yes. Yeah. She kind of grew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whoever owns my Nancy Drew books, cause I think we sold them at a garage sale. Right. Oh, I want my Nancy Drew back. <laughs> at huh? Club, Sweet Valley High, Sweet Valley Twins. Sweet Valley High. I totally forgot about this, but I did read it. a grown up version that is completely raunchy. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to totally read this because, you know, it took me back to my childhood. It was not. Back to I, my childhood. There was sex and boobs and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, this is, these are not the twins I remember. And then I gave it to my sister to like just swim in and, and be appalled by too. Your sister <laughs> works with you. She does. She's like my right hand. She is. Rose. Yeah. Been a long time. We worked together a long time. She's good people. Yeah. How about this one? Use one word to describe your computer ability. Oh gosh. Uh, one word to describe. That's a hard one. My computer ability. Um, operational. <laughs> operational. I know enough how to run my business on my computer, but I call my sister a lot to say, why is this happening? <laughs> Reboot. That would be me. <laughs> I feel like every time something doesn't work, I'm like, let's reboot it. That's what she says. She's like, have you tried restarting it? I'm like, shut up with your restarts, but okay. I yeah. just gave up at some point and just every time, every time something goes wrong, restart. It fixes so much. I, I don't know why. <laughs> hate that. I hate well, like, that. Remember when we started the call trying to get the sound going? I'm like, well, let me come out and then ended up needing an update. So I know. my first thing was, I was like, cl- cancel out, come back in. I was reboot. <laughs> reboot. <laughs> just go to it every time. Reboot. Um, what have you done that you're most proud of? Oh man. I'm proud of a lot of things though. So most proud. Uh, I'll tell you, and I'm still working on it being a good mom. I, and I think every mom will beat themselves up over something. Um, but knowing how much I really, really like to work and how much I will work, um, mm-hmm. the past six months of focusing more on mental health and sleep and health in general, it, which yeah. means a focus on family and kids, 
it's like the best thing I've ever done. Like they're good little humans, they're confident children, they're smart. I, don't, I mean, they're, I'm thankful they're smart, but if they were not smart, I would be okay as long as they were good, kind-hearted people. Um, it's little things I see Brady do that he gets complimented for. There was a new kid and it, he's in fifth grade. So it's hard to start a new school in the middle of the oh, year in yeah. fifth grade. And um, apparently he came up to the new girl and said, hey, hey, I'm Brady. It's nice to meet you. How was your first day? And so she said, it's okay. It's been rough. And, uh, but it was good. She's like, Oh, he's like, okay. So all you have to do is come back tomorrow and do it again. And I was like, you did that. You know, I was just like, I didn't teach him that, you know, he just did it. Well, and, you did teach him that he's been watching. Cause that's oh, exactly an Emily Tisdale thing. <laughs> well, it was one of those where I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I think being smart is important. Obviously I am Asian. So just to, you know, generalize, I, I like smarts and I was supposed to be a doctor and an attorney and all those smart things when you grow up with an Asian family. Um, it's not, you know, I, so I want him to be successful in life through his brain, but I can't, you can't teach him to be nice. I can't, you can't teach heart. Yeah. And so they're just really nice kids. They are so, good kids. They'll be, that's my that's and Vera's a little artiste. I always yeah. like to watch her little drawings and stuff that you share. I would say backwards on old chair. This was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. She wrote her name backwards in chalk on the driveway. Not just like if it's V E R A, not E M A R V E. Yeah. She wrote it backwards and the letter backwards, as if she was underneath the driveway writing. Oh wow. It was bizarre. Yeah, but she's always been the drawer. Yeah. yeah. I used to. <laughs> I was living in the garage. <laughs> One day I'm going to make it big. That's right. You. you know, but I would say the thing that I'm probably most proud of, it would be easy to say for me too about my kids because, you know, I've, I love my kids. Um, but I think actually what I'm most proud of is I have the ability to love somebody else's child as my own. Aww. And I don't think everybody has that talent. Um, I, you know, I fostered a couple of kids and took them in wow. and my grandkids, I have grandkids when, so when people say, oh, you have seven grandkids, I have four that are my kids, but I have three others that are my kids, you know, yeah. and they, they don't feel any, they get just the same kind of Christmas. They get the same kind of birthday. You know, they're, they're right there. They'll say, that's my grandma. They say, um, you know, Daryl's son. I mean, I just have this ability to look at children and just just love them and treat them like my own. And I, my kids would probably tell you, if you were to quiz them independently, they'd say that's probably one of the things that their mom's really good at. You know, my mom's good to other people's kids. And they never felt slighted either. Like, uh -huh. why are you giving so-and-so attention and not me? That's not one time. Because they have a good mama, you know. Yeah. So this I'll say what I'm proud of for you, though like of you and like the uh -oh. we've known each other here, you have an uncanny ability to bring communities together that will, were not like connected before. Mm. You really do. Like, this is why you do what you do for a living. Clearly, you know, like you, I think articulate the mission well of what you're trying to bring together, you know, whether it's like an online group or a, a research for a book or whatever the case may be, like you have a really good way of articulating what that is. And you can tell like just your openness um, and the way that you include everybody in conversations and make it a really safe space. Like you are excellent at that. So I hope you know that. <laughs> That's so nice. You caught me off guard. <laughs> Boom. See, I, didn't I know. know. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, shucks. 
I just really, I think I, I genuinely like people, even people that are crotchety or difficult. It's funny. I have an ability to kind of see through that and go, what are you really upset about? Or what's really driving you? And I have to, I often say to people, I think it's because of my dad. My dad's a crotchety old man. He is, he is. And I think um, I have an ability to look past that part of who he is and know that the, who he really is, is a hardworking, you know, right. he's just a hardworking dude, you know, and and so I, I appreciate that you say that you say that, and I think it's it's funny that if I'm able to do that, it probably t- ties into what I'm able to do with other people's kids too. Yeah. That's why I, I was a good Girl Scout leader. Uh, kids used to okay. oh, loved it. <laughs> One of the things I miss about my kids being little, but was Girl, Girl Scouts and the cookies. Okay, maybe it's the cookies. <laughs> maybe coming it's- They're coming up. I know it's that time. So how do listeners get in touch with you? What's the best way to contact you and find your resources? Um, well, taking it back to SM Dames, let's connect on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Um, and it, it's a place where you get to really know, um, you know, the things that I value as a professional and, and as a leader. So love to connect on LinkedIn. So it's under Emily D. Tisdale. Um, you can find us on um, online on our websites, whether it's um, recourseresource.com or leapforwomen.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, not consistently on Twitter, but I, I'm there for listening more than anything. Um, but I'll, I'll say probably Instagram is probably my favorite place right now just because it's, it's very visual and yeah. it's a place where I get to kind of harvest some of the ideas that I'm, that I'm cooking up and just kind of needing to sit and noodle on a bit. That Instagram for me is if I don't post a coffee post, people think I died. They're like, is she alive? Yeah. Okay. So it's funny. You've trained me now that I'm like, I see a coffee post. I'm like, is that Cheryl? <laughs> you, you know, someone else like on Facebook or something. And I'm like, Oh, I know people tag me and it's funny. Daryl and I went to Merrimack caverns and there's like no cell service. And so I couldn't post one day and I had messages on my Facebook messenger. Okay. Are you okay? I didn't see a coffee post today. <laughs> I'm all right. I went on a, I went on a vacation. If you call canoeing a vacation, I went on a vacation. So. In caverns. I love caverns. Yeah. I like hotels. So <laughs> a whole nother subject, but Emily, you are an amazing friend. You know that I am indebted um, in what you've shared with me over the years and our time together in person, on phone. It always goes fast. I absolutely am grateful that you did this today for me. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I can't wait to listen to all of the other calls that come in too. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guests and the topics that we covered in our show notes too. And if you loved today's podcast, because I know that you did, we want you to subscribe and don't keep us a secret. Make sure you share it, tag hashtag females and finance in your posts so that we can engage with you as well. And we always want you to remember The F Word. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you for being here today.